0: Welcome back, everybody. You know what week it is. The greatest week of the year. And to uh, kick off part two of our Masters Preview podcast, we're going to do exactly what we did yesterday. So everybody, to get you in the right state of mind, I give you Dave Loggins. Well, it's springtime in the valley on Magnolia Lane. It's the August of the national
1: and the master of the game Who wear that green coat on Sunday afternoon? Who walked that eighteen fairway singing this tune? August, your dog. Will
0: hello friends and welcome back to another episode of the golf guide podcast as we preview or i should say we continue to preview the 2018 masters in the second part of our masters preview we'll be talking to mr christopher durr chris is the host of the no gimme's podcast and this man knows himself some golf. I was gonna talk sooner, but I just was so into the music, I just, I, I, I just didn't feel that it was appropriate yet. Hold on. Mm. Oh, Guys, again, I, I can not say it enough. This is the best. This is the best week of the year. Okay. Back on track. Oh, it happened again. It happened again. I just, I couldn't stop listening. Okay, everybody. Christopher Durr from the No Gimmies podcast. You can follow Chris on all of the different social media channels that you may use. But for this one... We'd like you to sit down and have a listen. As we talk a little bit about Tiger, we covered most of that. If you didn't get a chance and you want to hear all of our thoughts on Tiger Woods, I encourage you to listen to part one of our master's preview if you haven't done it already. Here we go a little more in-depth with all of our top storylines and the guys that we're going to be following this weekend. Chris does an amazing job of providing us with some technical, uh good golf talk. So without any further delay, I give you. Mr. Christer.
1: It is Masters Week, dude. I am hyped on the Masters Week. You couldn't even. I like I said earlier, it's uh, it's borderline Christmas Week for golfers. Dude, I mean, it's
0: it's fucking better than Christmas. All right. If say, you know, when I was a little kid, like you know, my parents might give me like a Diamondback bicycle that I'd be super amped on for like four months. But you know what? What happens at the Masters is I watch a tournament. It's excellent there. And now, I then I have that memory forever. And now because the fucking Masters is so awesome, they let me go back and watch it on YouTube. Forever on top of that, it, it, it's it's literally the the greatest gift you could ever give to a golfer. It, it's
1: just it's just a tournament. It's it's awesome. I, I agree. Do you remember like five or six years ago? Oh, man, maybe not that recently because that only puts us at like 2012. But I'm thinking like maybe 2008, 2007, 2006, right in that time frame when the Masters was borderline like hard to watch just because like it just was not good coverage and like you only got to see a couple holes like I don't even know if I knew what the first couple holes looked like you know man it, uh, it's and- funny you mentioned that because me and Casey
0: were just talking about that and it was pretty much the jump to HD once once they started throwing the masters in HD is right around where they started to get their shit together and I think that's probably like 10 to like 15 years ago.
1: Exactly, and yeah. now, dude, now all the YouTube rounds has been unbelievable, dude. Oh. I gotta, I gotta ask you, which ones have you been, uh, which ones have you been watching? Because I've watched three final rounds, and I'm curious to see if any of our years overlap. So,
0: I mean, I think like everybody else, I went back and watched Phil's win in '04 and Tiger's win in '05. Uh, both, those, both those, but okay. Those, those were the first two that I jumped to, uh, and then I went back and I watched uh, Seve's
1: 1983 win. Oh wow, dude! A little history thrown Ooh. in there. See, I am a. T- I I I went a totally polar opposite direction. I did not watch <laughs> Phil's 04 win because because I don't, why would I want to watch that and <laughs> <laughs> and I did not watch Tiger's 05 win because I think that one is just so burned in the memory that it's not, I'm never gonna lose it. I watched um I watched the 2013 Adam Scott win. That that is one that's
0: like high on my list. I I've not rewatched the Adam Scott win yet, but that that is actually at the top of my queue right now.
1: Dude, it's unbelievable because you have three Aussies in the mix. You have uh, you have uh, Mark Leishman, Jason Day, and Adam Scott all in the mix on the back nine with a chance to win. And Adam Scott was kind of the one flying under the radar. Jason Day was two up uh, on the 16th tee, which is insane to think about. And then, I mean, Angel Cabrera, I'm a big El Pato fan uh, for the for the South American contingent you can it was give right me El there. El Pato
0: every day of the week, my friend.
1: Every, exactly, he's the man. So I watched 13. I watched 11 because Charles Schwartzl birdied the last four holes, which was sick to just steal that Masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those Tiger was somewhat in contention, and uh, and then I went back and watched 09 when El Pato won because I just like El Pato. Yeah, oh man, that does see. I
0: like that you and me are getting a little bit of different, uh, you know, different Masters coverage, and you know, because now we got a little bit of a different perspective to bring to uh to bring to it today. Because, uh guys just so, the one thing I will say is, I was like you, I thought 05. Was completely seared into my brain, and I would never forget anything. But I kind of forgot how long Tiger was leaking oil before he made that chip on sixteen. Because like he came out like a like a fucking pistol, dude. He, like I think he birdied the first two or three holes, and then basically just made pars for like the next twelve or thirteen holes. And Chris DeMarco was just slowly gaining on him and gaining on him. DeMarco's making par, par, birdie, par, birdie, and it got to the point where I didn't realize that on sixteen, when Tiger missed the green, and DeMarco's got like. Oh, it was it probably like a 13 or 14 foot birdie putt
1: from DeMar- above the hole?
0: Yeah. DeMarco's thinking to himself, I make this birdie putt. Tiger doesn't get up and down. Cause it's a fucking impossible up and down. I'm one up going into 17. And what happens? He fucking makes the goddamn chip. Chris DeMarco misses his birdie putt. He goes from thinking he's going to be up one with two to play to down two with two to play tiger. Like it, if I thought tiger was dead, I was like, man, like, I just thought Tiger was so dominant. I forgot that he just was kind of like lagging. All of a sudden, bam, Chris DeMarco, this is your nutsack. And this is me punching it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then Tiger continued to leak oil after that. He bogeyed 17 and 18 in poor form to, to give Chris DeMarco a chance. Um, it's funny because normally the, the person who wins the Masters plays the back nine very well. You see birdies and someone goes out there and gets it. And that was one of those weird anomaly Masters where Chris DiMarco kind of played better and kind of outplayed Tiger on that back nine. But there was just sheer willpower on T-Dub's part yeah. uh, back when he was a god. Uh, But that bogey on 17 – those bogeys on 17 and 18 were just like bad, like just very, very bad bogeys. Yeah. Well, hey, speaking of God, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to – let's just get into it right
0: now. I mean we're, we're already in a groove. Let's just get into this. I, I since we're talking Tigray, uh, th- this is the one thing that me and Casey talked about at length, so we we won't go into it too much. Um, but you know, as far as the top storylines go, what 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 are your general thoughts about Tiger's return, and what what do you expecting from the guy this weekend?
1: And okay, so it, I, it, it's tr- it's a
0: complicated question. So you can take as long as you need to to answer, if need be.
1: I'm trying to curb my expectations on what Tiger can do. Because I just don't want to set the bar too high, and not even—I don't want to say look like an idiot, but I just—I don't—I don't want to be let down, you know? Because yeah. at this point, the fact that Tiger's playing is is blowing my expectations out of the water. I was talking to my grandpa this uh, this weekend on Easter, uh, who's the guy that got me into golf, and he's just a man, and we were laughing because me and him both wrote him off, wrote Tiger off like two or three years ago, and we were just kind of commenting d- over over lunch. We were just like, dude, how crazy is it that a couple weeks ago? Uh, Tiger had a putt to win a tournament on the PGA Tour on the 72nd hole for Birdie. Like, when in a million years, like, you never would have thought you were going to see that again three years ago, you know? So, so right now, just the fact that Tiger's playing and, and is w- a one of the favorites is is mind-boggling in and of itself. So, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I do expect Tiger to make the cut, and I honestly— Honestly, I expect him to be in contention, dude. So if you look at his finishes since 2008, he finished 2nd in 08, T6 in 09, T4 in 10 and 11, uh, T40th uh, in 12, which was kind of the anomaly year, and then T4 in 13 and T17 in 15. And those are some nasty years for the boys. So 08 was, I mean, that was before his terrible knee surgery. 09 is the year that, you know, all shit hit the fan. 10 uh, ten, eleven, like I mean, those were not good years for the boy, and no. he still finishes T four. Like I think, I think uh, the the way Tiger shows up every year at Augusta and fully brings it, and I think the the confidence that he has in him in himself at Augusta really, really, really comes through. I mean, four four Masters wins is huge, and on top of that, I think he just like truly feels really, really comfortable out there. And I think the fact that he actually legitimately, when he's on top of his game, has more shots than anyone else on the PGA Tour, has more creativity than anyone else on the PGA Tour, and has more guts than anyone else on the PGA Tour, at least he did in his prime. I think all of those things, even if they're not at 100%, even if all of those things are firing at 80%, I think that equates to him being in contention. And you can see that in the last, whatever, 10 years in his finishes. You know, he's only finished outside the top 10 twice without really being anywhere near his top form of, of the mid 2000s. So so I guess if, if I was to to bottle that exp, that uh that that whole long-winded answer into one expectation, <laughs> I, I, I I expect Tiger to make the cut and I honestly expect a top 15 out of Tiger. And I think that is I think that is setting the bar on the lower end of the spectrum.
0: Yeah, that's it's pretty good cuz but my follow-up question was according to uh so uh, right now I'm, I'm getting most of my odds from Bovada right now. Uh, they just actually you know they have a more prop bets than other you know than other sites that I can find at least uh, uh online and they've got Tiger Woods at even odds for a top ten finish. Do you think that seems because obviously it's a little better than you, but I think that's that's the perfect line to entice an equal amount of betting on
1: both sides. I think so too, and I think that's I think that's an incredibly fair bet. I think that that it that's that's a great bet. I mean that's that's what w- that's that's the way it should be structured in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah, although it was just the the other one that Casey really fucking lost to that, which is awesome, is Tiger Woods versus the field. Tiger at plus twelve hundred and the field at only minus thirty three hundred. That's uh Vegas is going to make so much goddamn money. <laughs> B- Bavada's
1: gonna... <laughs> stuck in two thousand and four, uh, dude, or two thousand and six. Uh, yeah, that's like that's like two thousand six, two thousand seven tiger, when you just show up and win eight events and, and you could take that bet. But that is a little bit on the ridiculous side for twenty eighteen. The man's forty two for Christ's uh, sake. Like, dude. come on.
0: It's 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 just so awesome because so many people are going to lay so much money on Tiger this weekend. It's 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 really tremendous. It, and aside from all the television, hashtag ratings, good for golf. Oh yeah, no fucking kidding, man. All right, wait, hey. But the other thing about Tiger is there are a lot of really really good storylines going into this. I know we shared a couple of them on that Google Doc. Um, but before I, I kind of go through those real quick, is there any other little things that you're kind of geeked on or you're, you're excited about for the tournament that you, you haven't really heard from uh, from any other sources?
1: I'm excited to see. I mean, this is kind of a little bit of a sadder topic, but I'm excited to see uh, 13 play the way that it does uh, right now for, for the last time ever. Because as you know, Augusta bought the land uh, behind the 13th tee from Augusta Country Club this right, year, right. Uh, and they plan to lengthen that hole. It's I think it's only 530 right now. They're probably going to stretch it out to about 570, and you're going to see, uh, remember, I don't know if you remember last year, Sergio in the final round, he cut the, the trees on the left-hand side. He hit that high cut. And took a really aggressive line. It ended up in the hazard, but he still—I think—he still made birdie. Um, But but they're basically going to eliminate that shot, and they're going to eliminate guys from hitting three wood off the tee um, and trying to you know draw it around the corner. They're going to basically going to get back to forcing everyone to hit driver. It might take those right trees out of play, where we saw Phil hit the arguably one of the greatest shots in Masters history a couple years ago. I mean, those those trees are no longer going to be in play from the back tee. Um, and i think it's going to it's going to make the hole a little bit more uh what i don't want to say basic but it's going to be i think
0: it's going to make it more gonna stale
1: see, it's going to make it more stale dude you're going to see less you're going to see less crazy shots you're going to see less shots from the right trees and you're going to see less drivers trying to cut the left-hand corner so that's a little bit of an rip thing augusta has always been ahead of the curve and they always know what they're doing and they're always trying to to keep the game Up, They're always making changes to the golf course and and for the most part the changes are for the better So I'm hoping that Augusta knows what they're doing on this one, but I I am a little bit I'm geeking out about that. I'm excited to I'm really excited to watch 13 this year because I think it it always provides good drama and I'm I'm hoping that it does this year as well and uh, and I'm excited because I think it might be the last time that we get to see it Play this way. Yeah, man. Well, I mean I I I just keep thinking I it has
0: to be simply because and uh, what was the last year the Bubba won? Was that 14?
1: 14 was the last year Bubba won. 14. Did, didn't he hit driver sandwich into 13? He did, actually. Dave. I don't know if you saw the drive he did. He cut the corner. So uh, there's. Uh, I was watching the highlight of that, and it was actually hilarious because Bubba hits his drive— and then the ball lands in the fairway and you hear like the gallery go just go like let out a resounding like, whoa, like, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Like, what a line. Like, you know, the, the, the patrons the had never seen that line before and they were just like, whoa, that's unbelievable. Ugh. Um, And then my other storyline to, uh, to, to piggyback on, on that last question, yeah. uh, the Latin American Amateur, which is a premier amateur tournament that the USGA puts on that has been running with uh with the Latin American Golf Association. Yes, sir. Um, they're giving out Masters bursts now to the winner. So the number one ranked amateur in the world, or he was at the time of his victory, I don't know if he is right now, Joaquin Neiman uh, is a kid from Chile. He's a young guy, uh, less than 18 years old, who won that event and he'll be playing in the Masters this year. So I think it'll be good for for Latin American and, and South American and Central American golf to see, to have one of, you know, they're the, pretty much their, arguably their biggest star and biggest up-and-coming prospect play in the Masters for the first time as an amateur. Um, so I'm excited to see how he plays. I'm obviously rooting for him to finish low amateur. I think it'd be cool to see him in Butler cabin on Sunday afternoon with whoever the winner is. Uh, so so that's another one of the storylines that I'm really excited for. And I think that in the long haul, that's just going to be really, you know, hashtag good for golf and, and really good for golf in <laughs> in, uh, in the Latin countries, which I hold very near and dear to my heart.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Man. I mean, so I, I don't know a lot about Joaquin Neiman, but do you think he's got a chance uh, to to come in at low amateur this for this year?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So there's seven amateurs in the field. I know Doug Gim is an absolute stud. Yeah. Um, a red, that I can't remember. His last name slipping oh, me right now. Uh, but the, he won the USAM. Oh, Doc Redman. Doc, Doc Redman. Redman. Thank you. I was like, I know he went to Auburn. Yeah. I just can't so, remember his fucking name. <laughs> so those guys, I mean, those guys are obviously studs. But Joaquin Neiman's a beast, man. He shot a... So the... The uh, Latin American amateur was at a course in Panama, which I caddied for okay. a Jack Nicklaus design down in uh, just outside Panama City. And they did it this year uh, at that golf course. So I knew the golf course well. And I think when we played the Latin American event there, the winning score was 14 under. And this kid shot nine under as, as a kid. So it's like, OK, that's I mean, that's a championship style Jack Nicklaus design golf course that gets really windy. Uh, so, and I mean, a nine under for three days, that's that's a score. That's that's a score, stroke play style too. It's one of the few amateur championships that's stroke play uh, here in the states, we're used to a lot of match play amateur events. So for him to put together three good rounds and, and win against a, a strong field, uh, I think I think that bodes well for him. Uh, I mean, he's got he's got his work cut out for him in Doc and Doug Gim, but uh, but I, I'm I'm I have high expectations for him, and I and I hope he can I hope he can pull out the low amateur award because I think like I said I think that'd be really really good for golfing in uh, south of the border.
0: I I, I 100% agree. Uh, I mean, just yeah, I would just love to see an amateur at least in the mix on Sunday. I, I, it's pretty unrealistic to think that an amateur nowadays actually has a legitimate chance to win a major championship. But goddamn. It'd just be so excellent to see a guy just – one of those last eight groups on Sunday. I I, I just think that would be fantastic.
1: I agree, man. I just read a book called The Match. I'm going to go on a quick tangent here. I'll wrap it up quickly. I swear. I'm on page 35, right? I just started, so please. Dude, I'm not going to give anything away. Unbelievable story, and it's just cool because, I mean, just for anyone who doesn't know, I talked about it on my last podcast, um, and I know you're reading it right now, so I'll just give the listeners a quick overview. Please. Uh, basically, the long story short, it, it's the story of the 1958 Clambake, the Crosby Clambake, which is now the at t Pillow Beach Pro-Am. Right, now it's the, the one in the desert, actually. But anyway, uh, <laughs> the, the Wednesday before the tournament started, uh, two high rollers, Eddie Lowry and George Coleman, uh, put together a two-on-two match best ball between Byron Nelson and Ben Hogan versus Ken Venturi and Harvey Ward. And Ken Venturi and Harvey Ward were amateurs at the time. Ben Hogan and Byron Nelson were the best professionals at the time. And uh, it's kind of like it was almost like a changing of a guard in the golf world because that was like the last time that amateurs were held in the same – like high-level amateurs were held in the same regard as as professionals. Nowadays, amateurs are are people that play in college, and then the minute they're good enough to play professionally, they turn professionally because that's a better path for them. Um, And I don't know if that's good or bad for the game, but I think that book made made the – It made me nostalgic nostalgic for amateur golf again. Exactly. It made me nostalgic for amateur golf again. I think the fact that the Masters makes such a conscious effort to invite amateurs, there's seven in the field this year. Uh, I think they're they try to capture that because that is a club that was built by a, a lifelong amateur in Bobby Jones. You know, so so it's cool to see the amateurs play. And and I'm I'm 100% with you, Kyle, on the on the. I'd I'd love to see an amateur contend, and I'd love to see, I'd love to see in my lifetime an amateur win a major because I think that would just be one of the sickest storylines in golf. And I think it it might. It might just add a little more credibility to the amateur game. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree with you, brother. And uh, well actually we'll go from the amateur game. Let's go to the complete opposite side of the spectrum and jump into the top twenty of the World Golf rankings. Uh we, we cover Tiger a little bit, even though he's not in the top twenty, but uh wah, what, wah, what, wah. what are your thoughts on your boy Rory attempting to complete the career grand slam? What, what what do you think about Rory's chances this
1: weekend? I think Rory's chances are as good as anyone's. Uh, put it this way: I think Rory's chances are as good as anyone that has won in the first third of the year. So just think about the guys that have won in the first first third of this year. You've got Bubba winning at Riv, DJ winning in the in uh, in Hawaii, uh, you got Phil winning in Mexico. Rory won at um. A lot at of our, tropical Hummer's weather event. wins? Yeah, exactly. And I'm just and, and Justin Thomas has already won twice, so I think Rory's got just as good a chance as anyone who's won this year because I think that's kind of like that win at Arnold Palmer was a big win for him uh and i think it kind of like awoke the beast a little bit it seemed to light a little bit of a fire in his belly so i think he's got a good chance i honestly don't think this is his year but i think this is the first time we'll see Rory in contention in the masters uh it's been a while since we've seen him get get in the mix you know yeah uh i was looking at some stats for her, for Rory at Augusta and he really struggles in the In the third round, his scoring average, his scoring average in the third round is 73. And he's had a couple nasty rams in there. He's had a (laughs) 79. He's had two 77s like that's moving day. You know, that's the day when these guys are trying to get move up the leaderboard and put themselves in a position to win the event. And Rory has done the polar opposite. He's gone backwards. So I think the third round is a big time. If he makes the cut, I think that's going to be a big one for him. Uh, cause I, I think that's the one that's really going to make or break the year. The only year he shot in the sixties, uh, in the third round of the masters was in 2015 and he finished fourth that year. Um, hmm. so I think, I think if Rory can, can shoot something under par on moving day, which is going to be tough cause it's supposed to rain this year. Yeah. I think he's going to be a scary, I think he's going to be a scary prospect on Sunday. Um, am I going to put my money on him to win this week? No, I would take, I think I'd take DJ. Or or JT and even Justin Rose ahead of him, but I think he's definitely on the short list of guys that'll win. And I think that if he does win, one it'd be an epic story, and two it wouldn't it wouldn't bum me out. I love Rory. I think he's sick, and I think the fact that he would win the career Grand Slam would just be sick. Uh, but I, I just I just don't see 2018 being his year, and that's totally just a gut feeling, you know. I I you know, I, I can't totally disagree with you.
0: Although Casey did remind me that Rory does really thrive in uh, in damp uh golf course golf course has been softened up a little bit. That's where he really starts to hit a stride. And at least the the forecast uh, predicted what rain on Wednesday and Saturday. Uh so if that actually holds up to be true and he can find a way to do the weekend and uh he's got himself at a good shot on Sunday, I mean, who knows? I mean the guy certainly's got enough talent. But uh speaking of talent, uh God damn, does Phil Mickelson look fucking good or what? He does look good. I'm not the biggest Phil fan in the world. Oh uh, really I, 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 I did go- not
1: I, I would not have picked that up from your two thousand and four masters take. I will I will go on record and say that I've said it before on the podcast and I, I only I literally I only hate Phil because in 2006 and 2007 he was just like taking wins from Tiger and I was like get this guy the fuck out of here like I love Tiger I want to see Tiger win these events I'm tired of seeing Phil win um, so I mean honestly Phil great for the game such a likable personality I was really happy to see him win in Mexico I think the way he won was was awesome and, uh, and I mean, his game is trending in the right direction, dude. He's always a little squirrely with the driver, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the fact that he was number one in strokes gained putting last week in Houston, I think is a really big thing because he's definitely been struggling with the putter uh, in the last five years. And it's kind of been a reason that he hasn't been playing well, uh, especially in big events. Mm-hmm. So I think the fact I think he kind of found something in his putting. He putted well in Mexico, made some clutch putts, especially down that back nine. Uh, I think he missed a few. He missed one on the par three, which I want to say was 17 um, and he missed one on like 15 that were both pretty putts they should have made, but they like were tracking. You know, they weren't missed. They weren't missed with a misread, or they weren't missed with terrible speed. They were putts that ended in a one-foot circle and looked good the whole time. Um, and I think that's a really big key uh, for just confidence in your flat stick. You know, if you're hitting like you know, because those guys are good enough to make putts every week, you know they're going to make a few. But if the ones that don't go in look like they're going to go in the whole way and they have your attention till they stop rolling. I think that kind of puts you in a good place and I think Phil's in that place. So, uh so I think I don't know, I think Phil I think Phil makes a run for sure. Uh I don't want him to win, and I just don't want I just don't want another lefty to win the Masters, but but uh I think he's he's never he has not looked better heading into the Masters in the last, you know, in the last 5 years.
0: I agree. It, it's just a little shocking to hear you just so much it, just the absence of love for for this the guy from San Diego.
1: He also went to my rival high school, so I went to an oh. all boys private. I went to an all boys private Catholic high school, and then our uh, other big rival was like the uh, the ed private Catholic high school in the area. So mm. they always they always like to talk a lot of crap, and that's where he went. So mm. it's just a, you know, not that that blood runs real deep. It was high school, but it's you know, it's a fun. It's a it's, it's something I can say when people are like, "How can you not like Phil?" It's like, well, he was on the enemy side for those formative years of my life.
0: An interesting little wrinkle. Ugh, which is great. All right, next next one for you. Uh, do you believe in Jordan? Do you think what he did in Houston this past weekend is given you enough confidence to think he can do it again?
1: Absolutely. There, if you think Jordan Speith like is not going to contend at Augusta, you're just you you're not you don't know Jordan Speith. Uh People are making a big deal out of his putting woes, and I will go on record and say yes, he's putting like poo-poo right now. He is not putting very good. We can say that he's putting like shit around here, Christopher. It's okay. He is putting like dog shit, dude. But but, dude. So, the whats mo- what is what? I'm gonna ask you this question because sure. I'm sure you know. What is the most underrated aspect of Jordan Spieth's game?
0: The most underrated aspect of Jordan Spieth's game. Uh well so whenever you're struggling to find an answer the first thing you do is repeat the question so I've already got that one check one key key, uh, key the most underrated aspect of his game is... got does he have an underrated aspect because everybody puts such a premium on his putting and that everything else just seems solid to me there's not even a part of his game that sort of that stands
1: out as being really good so I, I I'm gonna de- I, I, I'm gonna debunk that right now please, I'm gonna debunk please. that right now so Jordan Spieth is an un believable iron player, dude. He is T6 this year in proximity to the hole with his irons. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable, dude. And so, I mean, with a guy like Jordan Spieth, that's, that's the key that led to all his major wins. If you go back and look at his major wins, yes, he hold clutch putts because that's what he does. He makes good putts. But he puts himself in positions all day to can 30-footers, which is a secret of Augusta. So I, I, at Augusta, it's more important about being in the right spot as opposed to being close to the hole and jordan spieth one hits the ball close to the hole and two hits the ball in the right spot around the hole that's why you see so many that's why you see him drop so many 20 to 30 footers he's like yes you know the putt at 16 at chambers bay was a 25 30 footer that broke six feet and that's like the the iconic putt that you think of him making but if you watch jordan spieth highlights of when he's playing well and he's hooping you know he he shoots a 66 and makes it look easy and hoops like two or three 30 footers. Those 30 footers that he makes, dude, are a cup outside the hole uphill, and he just wraps them in with pace. You know, like yeah. the putty made it. The putty made it valspar two years ago in 2015 on 18 to win is a putt that kind of comes over a tier a little bit, but it only broke about eight inches and was 30 feet uphill the whole way, and he just wrapped it. You know, so he's he's smart enough to know that he's a strong iron player, and no one gives him credit for it, and he knows how to put himself in the right place so he can. Attack the flag, and if the the ball the shot doesn't turn out the way he wants, he's going to have 20 to 30 feet in the right section and have a relatively flat or uphill putt that he can give it a go. And he knows that if he's a good enough putter that if he gets the momentum going and makes one or two of those, he's going to have a good round. So back to my main point, he's T6 in proximity to this hole this year. He's not putting that great. He is coming off a good week in Houston, uh, and I, I think that I mean his short game is always good. Um, his driving's kind of a little bit of an X factor, but it's not really a strength for him anyway. I don't want to say he's short. He averages just under 300 yards off the tee, but you know, it's not one of the things that you talk about. Uh, but I think the, the telltale sign there is just how close he's hitting the ball, the ball to the hole this year. Um, and the, the big thing is the fact that he's been missing two or three footers, but I think he'll be really, really engaged this week. And I think, I think missing two to three footers comes more from a lack of engagement and a lack of focus than, than poor technique so I think just the fact that it's the first major of the year and one that he knows he plays very well at, I think that'll add that little bit of extra, you know, kick in the seat of his pants, uh, take him to the next level. Cause we have already seen in many majors in the past that he has that gear, you know, he has that extra, sure. that extra gear that some guys don't have and, and it comes out when it needs to. So, uh, I think the fact that he's hitting his irons close to the hole and the fact that it is a major week and a major that he thrives at, I think there's, I think he's going to be in contention. I think there's, I think I think it's dumb for people to, to count him out, or people think that he's not going to do it, or people to think that, you know, his T three or his T three finish at Houston last week is, is overrated and not a good not a positive. It's like you you guys. I don't I don't think you guys know what you're talking about if you're thinking that.
0: Well, I, I think you're absolutely right, man. You bring up a really really good point, and uh, it w- w- when you refresh our memory about how excellent he is with an iron in his hand, it makes a lot of sense why he has so much success. At Augusta, because those green complexes are so wild and so crazy, and that getting to the correct spot on the putting green is so instrumental to be able to score out there. Uh, to have somebody who's an exceptional iron player—I mean, that, that's that—that's the reason why so many people love Tiger's chances this weekend—is because he's an exceptional iron player. And Spieth, uh, you know, th- thanks to you reminding me, is is right up there in that same elite level uh, with a short to mid to long iron in his hand. So. Uh, yeah, assuming that he doesn't forget how
1: to swing a golf club, but you got to think he's got a good chance this weekend. I think he's got a great chance this weekend, and it, it's clearly trending in the right direction. So prior to last week, prior to Houston, Jordan Spieth was ranked T20th in proximity to the hole. After Houston, T6. Mm. So he's clearly found something in his iron game that feels really good, yeah. and I think he's going to take that into Augusta and start hitting his spots. And, I mean, all it takes is if if he goes out there and shoots a 70 or a 69, uh, in round one nothing crazy just something a couple under par mm-hmm. you know put put him right there in that 15th to 18th count, like place on the leaderboard but he went out there and hit his spots all day I think you got to watch out for that man because because that guy could do something special
0: yeah I, I 100% agree um all right so by the way I have to just bring this one up here so we we sent each other the kind of the you know the storylines that we're watching that we were going to talk about in this thing and when I asked you for some of your thoughts on uh the, guy, the top-ranked guys that are looking for their first green jacket, your reaction, your, your, your comment was just the most kick-ass thing that I have read all day. And that is, and I, I'm going to let you defend your point here, that Dustin Johnson is the most underrated number one player in the world right now.
1: Yeah. Tell me why. Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude. All right. When was the last time you... Okay, well, first things first, he hasn't been playing a lot as of late. And second thing second... Everyone on the Golf Channel, everyone on every other golf podcast, everyone everywhere that is involved in golf media, all I can hear about is how JT is the best player in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Justin Thomas is the most complete game on the PGA Tour. Justin Thomas is the best player on the PGA Tour. Justin Thomas is the best, most well-rounded player on the PGA Tour. I'm not going to argue that point because they're right because Justin Thomas is a fucking freak. But at the same time, Justin Johnson is the number one player in the world and he's averaging something like in his official World Golf ranking points, he's got like 10.2 points. JT was in second and prior to last week at the match play, he was like two full points behind him. Like almost uncatchable. It's yeah. like dude, what like how is it that no one's talking about DJ? How is it that last year DJ was the favorite to win but he fell down the stairs allegedly and that n- knocked his chances out of there. Like last year people were basically giving DJ the green jacket till that accident happened and this year no one no one's talking about him heading into the masters. No one's talking about him. And that guy can do anything he wants with the driver. If he starts driving the ball well at Augusta, d- he's going to have nine to 11 wedges in his hand in a day and he's arguably the best wedge player so think about it you have nine to 11 wedges into these greens at augusta gives you a way higher probability of hitting the right spot and once again back to that last point i made about speed it doesn't really matter if you have a six footer but you're above the hole you'd rather have a 30 footer down the hole so you can be aggressive and attack those putts because once you start getting defensive on those greens that's when you start missing putts and dj is so precise and so freaking good with a wedge. And he's gonna give himself a lot of really good wedge opportunities. It's almost ridiculous that no one's talking about him to win. Uh, I'm playing a one and done fantasy league, and I would pick DJ had I not picked him at Riviera this week. Because I think, I think of all the favorites, I think DJ has the best chance to win. I think he literally. I think, I, I think, I think he wins this week. I really do.
0: I like how you brought up the word allegedly. So what? What do you think actually happened to him last year? If he didn't fall down the stairs, what? What gives, my friend?
1: Oh, I I could I could go down the rabbit hole on on terrible theories, but I mean, let's just let's just stick to what we know. You think Paulie is in uh, some weird stuff, huh? Um uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe, dude. I don't know. But I I just think DJ likes to party, dude. Fuck yeah, and he yeah, does. he's a yeah, he's a dad now, you know, so he doesn't party as much, but Allegedly. I mean, allegedly. Weird <laughs> shit happens when you party, dude. I don't know about you, but I've been I've been known to go to a party or two in my day, and I'm sure you've been known to go to a party or two in your day. Weird shit happens when you start partying. Uh, and so and so I think I think DJ got into some weird shit, and I'm not gonna go down the road of speculating what happened, but I think I I, I like to think that it was some some random party incident, and I, I hope to God he was drinking tequila. Let's just put it that uh, way.
0: Man, I, I was drinking some mezcal the other night. I have not drank that ever before. I, I feel like I've been missing out on one of the world's greatest treasures. What, what's it, wrong with me?
1: I you know you're you're it's it's got a you're an American dude. You know it's not it has A white made kid from way. Northern
0: California. I just didn't know any better. It,
1: yeah, you know, it's barely it's barely creeping north of the border that mezcal and it's uh, Ooh, it is good and it's 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 yeah, it's delicious. It's Ooh. starting to it's starting to really make an impact. And, and the the Mexican in me and the hipster in me is very, very happy about the fact that Mezcal's getting yes. drunk a lot more.
0: Yes, absolutely. All right. Uh,
1: next one. Obviously, you're not
0: a huge bubble fan. I am most certainly not a huge bubble fan, but you can't deny the fact that the guy's fucking hot
1: right now. Where, where, where do you put his chances to win this weekend? Uh, dead last because I hate the fucker. Yeah. Um, like I just, I, I, I would want him to miss the cut. <laughs> in a perfect world, in a perfect world, Bubba would not play the weekend, and I wouldn't have to see his stupid pink driver. And and <laughs> it's, 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 I just, I just don't want to see that guy on TV at all. Uh, I don't hate, like, I, I don't like his.
0: So ripe. I, lo- I just, I'm, I'm really, I, I got an ear to your smile right now. You, you are really making my day, my friend.
1: I don't like his antics. I don't like it when he wins. I don't like it when he contends. I don't like it when people talk about how, oh man, he just shapes the ball so much. I mean, no one on tour shapes the ball like. Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up! We know it. We know he curves the ball. We know he curves the ball. Everybody knows he curves the ball. Oh, bubble golf is just something special to watch. Yeah, I know, but I don't like it. Okay, I just don't like it. Totally, just don't. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to see it. I don't like it. I don't like it when he's in contention. I don't like his little. I don't like how he treats his caddy. I don't like. I don't like any of it. So. I hope he misses the cut. You know, you hate uh, which I feel. I feel bad wishing something bad on someone, but I don't want Saturday and Sunday's TV coverage to be Bubba's stupid mug on the TV. And I am terrified that he's going to win because he is playing Amazing golf. He's back to playing really good Bubba golf. He's playing the golf that won him two green jackets in the past. Oh. He, won Riv- he won at Riviera, which is ter- a terrifying stat. The most terrifying stat to me leading up to this Masters is the fact that the last two times Bubba won at Riviera, he won the Masters the same year because they're arguably the two best golf courses, Augusta and Riviera, that the, co- that the PGA Tour plays every year. They're super classic designs. Being in the right spot on both of those greens is really important, and Bubba clearly – Hit all his spots at Riviera, made all the putts, and and won the event, um, like a pro. I mean, he won it like a pro, and he picked that golf course apart the way it should be. Uh, and he thrives on classical golf courses. So, I'm terrified that Bubba's gonna go like 66, 68 to open the tournament, mm-hmm. and be in like that whatever you know that 10 under par oh, realm, oh, and have the oh, next player and have that next player be at like. 7 or 6 under and I'm just gonna be like holy shit Bubba's carrying a 2 to 3 shot lead into this weekend and all I'm gonna have to hear is all these ridiculous stories about how bubble Golf just thrives at Augusta and he just the way he curves the ball is insane I, I just don't want it I just really don't want it I'm
0: really sorry for bringing it up <laughs> it's okay Uh, it had it had to be i know he's
1: he's he's he's, he's got as good a chance as anyone dude i mean like factually speaking he's got as good a chance as anyone to win this year and and no one would be surprised if he did it well i guess the the real question is other than somebody on the golf channel do you
0: personally know anybody that really enjoys watching bubba watson
1: yes you do one gentleman one gentleman from my club Mm. mentioned that he likes to watch bubba Mm. And I, I question I, everything that guy says. I, no, he's actually, an, he's an amazing guy. He's, yeah. he's a badass, but I, he's like, oh, it's so fun to watch. And I was like, God, I mean, in theory, yes, it is fun to watch someone curve the ball that much, but um, man, it just, grinds, it just grinds my gears, it just grinds my gears. His, dude. It his, just gets me, all, golf gets me all
0: riled up. My thing is his golf swing is just wholly unsatisfying to watch. He's got that weird little, I wouldn't call it a hitch, but you know, like, I mean, his golf swing does not look as pure and as wonderful as many of the guys on tour. And listen, I can go out and play with my friends if I want to watch somebody with a fucked up golf swing. Granted, none of them are as good as Bubba Watson, but when I watch those guys, I want to see Adam Scott. I want to see I want to see Tommy Fleetwood. I want to see Tiger fucking Woods. I want I to see Louis Ustasen. I want to see perfect golf swings. And Bubba's is just so goddamn strange. I just I just can't get on board.
1: And I'm not I'm not as so I like aesthetically pleasing golf swings as much as the next guy don't get me wrong his swing doesn't bother me so much what what really bothers me is his putting stroke it's it's like it's so narrow his hands are behind the ball with like has anyone ever taught you how to putt guy your hands are supposed to be in front of the ball dave stockton method like leave with your front hand come on like it just it just makes me want to like like break his putter for him he like put, he just hits all these like daint his putts never look like they go in with authority he hits all like these dainty little like Pushed towards the whole putts where he's like trying to guide it to the hole and one of the cool things about champions I think is when they you know putts go in with authority uh, I'm thinking Adam Scott's putt on 10 when he won the Masters in 2013 in the playoff went in with authority Tigers putt In '99 at Medina, fucking went in with authority. He's pointing after it, you know, like those putts that just go in and they look like once they're six feet off the putter face on, you know, 15 foot putt, it just it's going nowhere but the bottom of the cup. Mm -hmm. That's such like a, I don't know, for me that's such an awesome feeling, and not one of Bubba's putts ever looks like that, and just and so that just drives me crazy. It drives me crazy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's just amazing. All right. I'm I'm going to get off the Bubba train now because I think it's just it's better for both of our blood pressure if we just stop saying his name. So
1: next but, stop, next right. stop on this train, baby. Next, next stop. stop on this train. Between these
0: two guys, both of whom are looking for their very first major championship. What are your thoughts on each of them and and where, what you kind of expect from them this weekend and and, and what's your confidence level uh between Ricky and John Rom? Both looking for their first major. Both are completely capable of winning at Augusta, but I don't know if anybody's really talking about either one of them as a, you know, as a favorite uh, to win this golf tournament.
1: I agree. Neither one of them are really being talked about as a favorite. Both of them are incredible talents and very, yes. very good players. I am gonna give the edge to John Rahm mm-hmm. to win. He's 32nd this year in strokes gained putting, which is not as good as Fowler. Uh, Ricky Fowler is, oh, actually it's better than Fowler. Ricky Fowler's 102 strokes gained putting, so I like I like John Rom in that one. Rom, um, I, I just think Rom's got a slightly better chance, dude. I, I, Ricky makes a lot of big numbers, so Ricky and and uh, I was seeing a stat recent recently that only three players have ever won the Masters. And made a double in the same week. Uh, and that's Spieth of really? 15, Immelman in 2008, and Mickelson in 2004. Those are the only champions to ever make a double bogey during the course of the week and, and win at Augusta. Uh, Ricky, I, I couldn't find the stats on it. I can only find stats on bogey avoidance, which he was pretty high on that list, surprisingly. But Ricky's career has been plagued by big numbers. He made a triple last week in Houston with a four putt, you know, uh, in the third that round. That
0: shit was ugly.
1: Ugly, oh. u- ugly, and and Ricky's notorious for making doubles. Like if you li- if you listen to what Butch says about Ricky, uh, even you know I think it was 14, the year Ricky finished top five in every major and had an unbelievable year. Ricky just makes double. He always finds a way to make a six or a seven, and and at Augusta, that's gonna end your chances. Like I mean, you can shoot over par at Augusta and still win. Uh, Danny Willett shot 74 and won. Uh, the year he, the year he won his masters. So it's like, it's not even like a, you know, you can still shoot 74, 73 and get around and, and win the event, but making a double really seems to affect the psyche of players and pretty much affect their chances of winning. So, so that for that reason alone, uh, I'm going to go with Rom as having a better chance between those two players. Ricky statistically is a little bit better than him in proximity to the hole. uh, Rom's a little bit better in strokes game putting. Which are two of the those are like the two telltale signs for me as far as who could contend this week. Um, so I think the X factor, since they kind of split those two stats, I think the X factor is the fact that Ricky really likes to make doubles and triples, uh, just because of you know naturally aggressive player. Rom is a little bit more of a plotter. Rom Rom is very aggressive. Don't get me wrong, but he does understand how to put the ball in the right spots a little bit more than Ricky. I think Ricky can get a little bit machismo, get a little bit a little bit too much bravado in sure. his game when he's when he's feeling good. Um, and it tends to bite him in the ass a little bit in big events, and I think Augusta is one of those places where you really just cannot get bit in the ass if you want to win. So, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to I'm going to put my money on John Rahm in that in that head in that head to head matchup.
0: Okay, I, I think that is very very fair. Uh, do you think Sergio is going to do an honorable job of defending his title? I, I I don't hear anybody talking about the 2017 Masters champion. Uh, you know, other than the fact that he just had a child. That, that's that I've heard more about Sergio. Becoming a father—that I've heard about him competing at Augusta this year.
1: Who's the last guy to repeat at Augusta? Was it Tiger in o, o uh, one o two? I believe
0: uh, his name is yeah. Eldrick Tiger Woods.
1: Yeah, no yes. one repeats, dude. No one repeats at Tiger. Superhumans repeat at Augusta, dude. So Sergio is not one, not a superhuman, and two, not going to repeat at Augusta. Uh, I define honorable job at defending his title as making the cut, and I think he does. I okay. think he makes the cut. Um, he won couple months ago i want to say he won at the beginning of this year in january he won the singapore open which was his first win since the masters uh i think that guy is very clearly he's like i think he spent the last year in just like feet up mode like he kicked his feet up and was like that's it baby monkey's off my back i want a major i want augusta like i don't give i'm not gonna practice i'm not gonna work as hard on my game uh which is natural people deal with a masters hangover everyone does it but I think Sergio took it to the next level. I heard he was wearing his green jacket out to dinner. He named his daughter Azalea, which is a beautiful name. Don't get me wrong, but like he he's very clearly gonna ride this Masters high to the to till he's six feet under, as he should. He's a Masters champion, like you know, I can wear that shit with pride. I have no issues with that. Uh, wearing that shit with pride, though, a year after you win is not really conducive to winning it again. So, so I, for that reason alone, I really don't think he's got much of a chance this year. Do you think, at the Masters
0: Champions Dinner, that Sergio Garcia, to pay respect to Tiger Woods and to make up for his comments, will actually go ahead and serve fried chicken?
1: No, Tiger's Sergio's going to make paella, like a good Spaniard. He should serve paella. <sighs> if he if he if I hear Sergio does anything but paella at the Masters Dinner, I'm going to and ha- you're going to fly to
0: Augusta, and punch him in his stupid fat Spanish face, huh?
1: No, no, I'm going to do one better, and I'm going to at him on Twitter. <laughs> and then So he really knows <laughs> what's up.
0: <laughs> nothing but nothing really teaches a, a major champion a lesson like atting him right on the old Twitter sphere. Good for you, man. I, I mean, hey, who knows? I, I, I hope Sergio has enjoyed every second of this because I, I am very, very skeptical that he will be winning another major championship. Man, but how just goddamn crazy would it be if he comes back and he's playing in the final group on Sunday? I don't Nobody sees that one coming, and you know what? I don't think anybody saw him winning last year
1: either. So, who the hell knows, right? Who the hell knows? I would. I'm. I'm I am a fan of Sergio. I'm going to go on the record and say that too. I like Sergio, yeah. and I think he. I think he will win another major. He's too good of a ball striker not to do it. And the fact that the monkey off his back, I think, is only going to help him. But uh, but my big critique of him in the last year is the fact that he did ride that that Masters win high just a little bit longer than than I would have liked to see it. Yeah. I mean, what's the classic thing? You know. Uh, in sports or in business or in anything you always kind of want to act like you've been there before you know even if you're yeah. freaking out on the inside you want to at least give off the air of like hey you know what like I, I got this shit on lock um and once he won he did not he took that saying and punted it out the window so so i don't i don't i don't think that gives him much of a chance this year sure
0: sure all right this is the last story this is, we'll uh, we'll cap our uh our little conversation with something like this my friend and uh uh, this is actually something that got brought to my attention when I was reading uh, Andy on the fried eggs, uh, kind of things that he's going to be watching this week. And it really got Love me that thinking. that guy. Yeah, it, it got me thinking, man. Um, so uh, the Augusta National Golf Club has got a new chairman, in Fred Ridley. Uh, and powerful, Fred Rid- powerful Fred, Fred Ridley. Powerful Fred Ridley. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, that was very, very rude of me. Powerful Fred Ridley. Uh, as you reminded me, as a fun fact, is the last U.S. amateur winner to still hold his amateur stat. That's crazy to me that every winner of the USAM since Fred Ridley has gone on to become a professional and has not stayed as an amateur. That that blows my mind.
1: Speaks to the uh the what we were talking about earlier with yeah. the match, you know. Yeah. It's the, the death of the amateur game kind of, the death of the prestigious amateur. Um, you know, Fred like he's literally the last person to win the USAM that didn't turn pro. Crazy. Yeah. It is really
0: really crazy. But um as, as you know and as most everybody listening to this knows, Augusta National has got the golf world by the balls uh, more so than any other individual, uh, you know, establishment, you know, uh, committee, wh- however you want to say it, uh, the, the the sway that they have both over their broadcast partners and CBS, like Casey had mentioned before, but also over the USGA. And the fact that they can really do whatever the hell they want with their golf tournament um, it is going to be fascinating to hear if he has anything to say with regards to, uh, the balls, the equipment, or how they're, you know, going about, you know, changing and updating Augusta National. And I guess I just to ask you, as a, as a delightfully informed fan of golf, uh, what are you looking forward to when Fred Ridley gives his press conference on Wednesday in terms of, is there certain things that you're looking for him to come out? Are there things you're hoping that he says? Uh, do you think it's just going to be a snooze fest? What, did give me some of your thoughts on Fred Ridley, uh, his inaugural address to the public as the chairman of Augusta National.
1: Very exciting, honestly. I don't think it'll be a snooze fest. I think there's too many things going on in the world of golf right now with uh, exciting players, Tiger's comeback, changes being proposed to the rules. The, the golf, the world of golf, is definitely coming to a head as far as the uh, the technology behind the game. So I, I think it'll be anything but a snooze fest. And I think that Fred Ridley, as a lifelong amateur and a winner of the U.S. Amateur, I think he really understands his place as chairman of Augusta uh, and and what that that position holds and and the I mean, not, I don't want to say like the, but he's a, he's a flag holder for for the game, you know. Like he is someone who's he's one of the the pillars of the industry, so to say, as far as driving the game forward. And what he says goes. Yeah. Uh, not specifically just him, you know, but he's up like you know his his opinion and and what August is trying to do carries a lot of weight and it sends ripples throughout the rest of the golfing world. Uh, and I think Fred's going to do a great job and I think he's going to propose some good ideas. One thing that I mean, I have no idea what he's gonna talk about, honestly. He could talk about anything and everything. you know there's it's a, it'd be impossible it'd be impossible to to nail it down. Um, but I've been doing that PGA Tour recap episode every week with my buddy Brian Turley, yeah, uh, that comes out on Thursdays. and he brought up an unbelievable point a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about the bifurcation of the golf ball mm-hmm. and rolling the golf ball back. Uh, th- I liked the idea at the beginning of the year. I thought it was a really good thing to do. Uh, I was talking to Brandon Hagee recently on an episode, and I asked him about it as well, and he's the third-longest player on the PGA Tour, and I asked him if he thought it was a good idea, and he brought up the point that that rolling the golf ball back is only going to give more of an advantage to the long hitters because they'll still be able to hit it farther than everyone on a rolled-back ball. So it it still just continues to give them more of an advantage. And Turley, uh, on one of our episodes, mentioned that the golf ball, in his opinion, the golf ball is not the answer. He thinks there should be limits on clubs that are used and and there's a simple example that he that he brought up that I thought was really really good he mentioned that in college baseball they use well they used to use aluminum bats now they use a different bat but they used to use aluminum bats at the college level and and wooden bats at the professional level because quite frankly if if professional baseball players used an aluminum bat like sure. every single home run would be in McCovey Cove at AT&T Park that was hit out the right field you know you just see bombs going off all day excellent point and I th- I thought that was an unbelievable comparison to golf. And it's those guys hit the middle of the face, you know, like that's what they do. They hit the middle of the face all the time. And if Dustin Johnson hits the middle of his face, the driver is going to carry 320 yards, 330 yards every time. Cause that's what he does. His numbers, the technology, all those things equal, you know, 320 yard drive. If he hits the middle of the face, the issue that needs to be addressed, I think is, is what happens when they don't hit the middle of the face, which happens, you know, once or twice around, maybe. Mm-hmm. But if if the once or twice around that they don't hit the middle of the face, still results in Dustin Johnson hitting a 308 yard drive that ends up in the right fairway instead of the center of the fairway, he's not really getting penalized for a mishit, hit, you know. So I totally th- mentioned that drivers should be rolled back maybe, you know, from 460 to like 330 CCs. So there's more of a premium on hitting the middle, and if you don't hit the middle of the face, if you hit one off the toe about a quarter of an inch on a much smaller face. That miss that didn't feel like much on a 460cc driver, all of a sudden, is going to turn into a snappy little hook that, even for DJ, only carries like 285 and might end up in the left rough. So now, DJ, instead of looking at, you know, a nine or an eight iron from the right side of the fairway into a green, he's looking at a seven iron from the left rough. That changes everything, you know, that changes the whole game, and that all of a sudden adds, it puts a little bit more of a premium on striking the ball. So. So i don't I don't really know if he's gonna talk about that. I don't know if he's gonna bark up the right tree, but I think I think more than anything, I think I'm excited to see Fred uh, hopefully talk about something in advancing the technology or, or I guess rolling the technology back. but i'd like I'd like to see him talk about that issue that is plaguing the professional game right now and I'd like to see him bring up ideas other than rolling the golf ball back, whatever those ideas may be. Um, I mean, I wouldn't love it if he talked about making every golf course 8,000 yards. I really wouldn't <laughs> like that at all. But I'd, I'd, it'd be it'd be kind of a breath of fresh air to hear someone talk about something other than the golf ball. Um, whatever, a 10 years, you know, maybe less than 10 years ago, the U-grooves on the wedges were taken out because players were spinning it too much out of the rough and they made everyone play V-grooves. I mean, take a page out of that. You know, they didn't change the golf ball and make the golf ball less spinny. They just changed the parameters on what players could do with their wedges. Uh, I think I think something like that could be similar on the polar opposite end of the bag, you know, with the long st- with the with the big with the big the big stick, yeah. the big dog. So yeah. so I hope I hope that's what he talks about. And I hope he I hope he brings just a little bit of a new perspective other than rolling the golf ball back. Because I think that would like I said, it would send a lot of it would be there would be a big ripple effect and a big wake in the world of golf. If the chairman of Augusta National uh, said something that kind of mixed up what we the the verbiage that we've been hearing over the last eight months or so. Yeah, I mean, th- th- thank you for bringing that up, man. That that is such an outstanding point. I I remember
0: mentioning something kind of like that, or I I should say I didn't mention, but a guest that I had a little while ago. I think maybe we was talking about hitting hickory clubs or something like that. I think, you know, and yeah, that that whole baseball comparison is so spot on, man. Uh, if they're gonna change something, you know, put put a club in their hand that's you know it's a little more difficult to hit. Yeah, I and mean, I'm just gonna be repeat what you just said because you just made a fantastic point. And if that is, ever is going to happen. Do you think Augusta is going to be the place that initiates something like that, or do you see that happening somewhere else?
1: I would love to see Augusta initiate it, and I think Augusta's in the best place to initiate it. So whatever the rollback is, or whatever happens, Augusta's the only place that can do it without having an enormous backlash. Augusta, they run their own tournament. The Masters tournament is theirs. It's not affiliated with the PGA Tour, it's not affiliated with the European Tour, the USGA, the RNA, nothing. PGA of America, it is theirs. It is their baby, and it is... The ideas that come from Augusta National, from that boardroom where all the guys with the green jacket sit down and discuss what they're going to do, that comes from them, you know. And, it's, and it carries so much weight. So, yes, the, to answer your question sh- in short, yes, I think, I think that if any change happens to the golf ball or technology, I think there's nobody – there's no other entity in the world of golf that can be the first person to do it other than Augusta. And I think Fred Ridley knows that, and I think the, the board members at Augusta National know that. And I think they are going to be moving very gingerly with this topic, but I think that they understand that there's, you know, there's not a super big rush to do it. You know, it doesn't have to happen this year or next year, but sometime within the next five or eight years, something might have to happen. And I think they understand the gravity of the situation, in in, in a sense, that they're going to be the ones that have have to have to be the first ones to do it, because whatever they say is law as far as what what goes on at the Masters tournament. So I think Hickory shafts is a little bit a uh, little bit extreme. You think that might be too big I, of a jump? <laughs> I think it might be just a little bit too big of a jump. But I think that Augusta National understands their place in the golfing world and in golfing history, and I think that they're going to have to be the ones that do it first.
0: For sure. Well, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that Fred delivers us some savory good news that it was very, very much aligns with uh, with the breakdown that you just gave us. And uh, I, man, I just, I just, I'm just hoping it is the first of five exquisitely good days, if you include Wednesday. That we've got going this weekend, man. My my absolute favorite event on the entire sporting calendar. It's just just so good. So before uh before I let you go, my dude, who do you got winning? If if I'm putting you on the spot, who who is your guy
1: this weekend? Who are you putting all of your ducats on? My dude. So in my one and done fantasy league, I feel like I have to speak to that first because sure. I've been running that league this sure. year. Uh and that's 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 where like my, my overarching pick goes in that league I'm taking Justin Rose. I think he's got I think he's going to win it, I really such do. Such an awesome pick. He's he's a he's a freak, dude. I mean it's just it's he's 25 to 1, which is a great value. Yeah. Uh he leads so he's got the most birdies or eagles at Augusta since 2012. Uh best over our sc- overall score to par in the Masters since 2011. He leads uh in greener regulation percentage at uh Augusta in the last 5 years. I mean like on paper he's he's just so good and He's a fucking robot. Uh, He's a robot, dude. He's just so good. He, he I mean, he ha, kind of has cooled off a little bit since his incredibly hot start to the year, or I guess end of the year, however you want to call it, in the wraparound yeah, season. His, it, it his is incredible, yeah. yeah, his incredibly hot streak in the fall and winter. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's kind of cooled off a little bit since that, but I think you always hear about people peaking for Augusta or peaking for the majors. And I think he knows exactly what he's doing. I think he's peaking for this week. And I think it's, you'd be hard pressed to not see him in the top 10 this week. And I think he's got as good a chance of anyone as winning. So that is, that is my pick. I am, I am sticking to Justin Rose. I think I'm going with Justin Rose. Justin Rose is my dude this week. So, uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see Justin Rose, uh, don a green jacket on Sunday.
0: That would be so, so awesome. He would be the Englishman, that all of us want to see wear the green jacket. And yes, that was a dig at you, Dan. Mr. Willett, you just... Although, I will say, it... Danny Willett's win is actually one of the most memorable Masters tournaments that we've had in the last 10 years. Even if it is memorable, not because of Danny Willett. But, uh, you know, that, that is besides the point. Um,
1: Oh. speaking to my point on ricky too jordan spieth made a quad that year and lost it can't make big numbers at augusta no no no,
0: <laughs> no. you know you know multiple shots in old ray's creek is certainly not going to help your chances of succeeding that 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 is a goddamn guarantee uh fucking hey, christopher you're such a good dude Th- thank you so much for doing this man before i let you go in case anybody out there has been living under a rock you are the host of a very, very
1: fine podcast yourself. Would you mind letting all these folks know where they can listen to you when you're not on my podcast? Absolutely, guys. Go on over to www.nogimmies.io. Gimmies is spelled G-I-M-M-E-S. Mm. Everyone always wants to spell it with an I, but Merriam-Webster's dictionary said there is no I in there. And Merriam uh, any- would not lie to us. She is a good, good woman. She is a good woman. So you can check us out at nogimmes.io or wherever you get your podcast. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. Uh, do, 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 do. I think we're on iHeartRadio as well, or one of the other apps. Google Excellent. Play Music, and basically any any application which you get your podcast, you can find us. Um, be sure to check us out. We have a newsletter that goes out every week on Mondays. That's kind of updates people on the new episodes that are coming out and what guests in the past are up to. Uh, been talking to a lot of PGA Tour pros and web.com tour pros so it's fun to keep track with them and what they're doing out there on the professional circuit so be sure to check us out at No Gimmies, follow us on Instagram at No Gimmies. and and yeah guys if you want if you want a little bit more golf in your life i think we're a great source for uh, for golfing news
0: i i i will fully endorse anybody that's out there that really really loves diving into uh the professional game both at the you know the web.com tour level the professional level chris's podcast is so Excellent. And he is a true madman. This guy is getting after it and laying down two podcasts a week. Oh, my God. My my, my nether region shrivels just, just trying to do one, you know, one in, in, in every calendar week. And this guy is throwing two at you. So if you love golf content, my dude, your, your podcast is an excellent source for that.
1: Thank you for the kind words, Kyle. I appreciate that, man. And it's been, it's always fun to come on your show, dude. I love shooting the shit with you, dude. I, it's, a, we always have a good time doing it, dude. So thank you. And then one last little plug for anyone that is new to the no gimme's world. Please. I do like, like Kyle said, I do two episodes a week. Uh, one of them is very short form. It's 20 to 30 minutes just doing current events in golf. Um, the other one's a little bit more long form conversational style. So I think we try to so that one, those conversations normally go for about an hour. So we're trying to meet everyone's needs. You know, if you got an hour to listen or going on a run or getting a workout in, you want to do something like that, you can listen to a conversation with someone. And um, if you just want to get your, your weekly dose of golfing news uh, quickly and efficiently, then we got that 20 minute episode that comes out as well. So awesome. give us a try, give us a listen, throw a review out there on iTunes that we'd really appreciate it. And, and thank you for tuning in. And Kyle, man, once again, thank you so much for having me, dude. This was so much fun. Happy Masters week. Christopher, my dude. Happy master's week let's oh wait, hold on, hold on hold on, hold on,
0: fuck, I totally forgot no please i, I haven 't stopped recording Get, you gave it to us what do you got
1: who's your pick i didn't even ask you who your <laughs> pick was this week. <laughs>
0: You don't want to know who my pick is this week because I'm. Are such you gonna a...
1: say Phil? Are you gonna say Phil? You motherfucker! No,
0: I'm such a fucking fanboy. All I want is Tiger Woods to win. I, it's I know he's not going to, but that's what I'm rooting for because I think I'm I, jumping. I,
1: I'm jumping up and down right now. I
0: have, I, I, I have no I have no ability to rationally evaluate a golf tournament when Tiger Woods is in the field. I I I, I don't have that ability. So all I'm doing is expecting Tiger and hoping Tiger finish in the top twenty. And then also being like, God damn it, I want that guy to win. It, 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 I mean, this is, if Tiger Woods doesn't win, it still has a potential to be a great golf tournament. But if Tiger Woods, granted the, the odds are, are, are small, if Tiger Woods managed to win this golf tournament, you have to say that it automatically becomes one of the greatest stories and one of the greatest tournaments in the history of golf. Especially when you're talking about, you know, you, you and your grandpa were talking about where he was not all that long ago. I mean, the dude got pulled over, you know, what, six months ago for being on 15 different pain pills. It, it looked like he had been punched in the face by five different raccoons you know, over the course of two different hours. And they took him to the hospital. His back is, is held together by a bunch of Elmer's glue. And here he is with, you know, he is one of the favorites to win the Masters. And if he could come back and do it and win his first major in almost a decade you know that just the idea and the prospect of that story being out there it just tickles my fancy so much that like i just can't process anything else happening so that's that's what i'm focused and that's what i'm hoping for even though i don't think it's the smart bet that's obviously all all i can hope for
1: i love everything about that (laughs) i love everything about that dude i love every goddamn thing about that and you can bet your butt dude that if tiger woods tees off and hits the fairway on 18 and he's got a shot from the fairway either with a chance to win or with the lead you uh, you will receive a facetime for me dude and yes. we will watch that together because i bet your i ass. want tiger to i want tiger to win so bad too oh dude it's crazy because you know the funny thing is that, uh, and, and
0: casey had brought this up good it, it, he kind of was clarifying a misnomer is that i mean how good would it be and and uh, for all the obvious reasons but it, it's funny because it really hasn't ever happened other than i think he was mentioned that the one US Open a way way back how great would it be to have tiger v phil in the final group on sunday could you write a better script than that
1: it'd be legendary dude it'd be legendary they're playing a practice round together tomorrow oh. tuesday which is actually today cuz that's when this podcast is coming out yeah, but that's a good point. they're playing a <laughs> they're playing a practice round together so i think i don't know i think i think the stage is set And I think that I I can't imagine something that's better for golf than Tiger and Phil in the final group on Sunday with just a bevy of young chasers in the Uh, groups in front of them just making birdies. uh, It would be unbelievable.
0: Oh, that'd be so good. Well, on that note, Christopher Durr, no gimmies. Happy Masters Week, brother. Happy Masters
1: Week, Kyle. Enjoy Enjoy the week. Oh, it's so good, man. All right, brother.
0: Well, I don't know what else you could possibly want. The azaleas, Butler Cabin, Jim Nance. This is it, everybody. It's the greatest weekend out of all fifty-two we get every single year. This is the one. It's most definitely the most green, just the way we like it. Everybody, I wish you all the happiest of Masters weekends. I'm again. I got my fingers crossed. It's going to be a wondrous event And let's just hope that we have Quite a dogfight on Sunday to tune into uh, I do want to give you guys A quick little reminder If you like to save money on golf Visit golfguide.net Promo code GGpodcast Save 10% mm. All right And with that everybody I bid you adieu Go have one hell of a weekend And we'll talk to you next week Mahalo Gotta turn Wait No, No I don't Fuck it We're listening to this forever